Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler here. Today, we're going to talk about season five, episode 11, the big broadcast that aired November 28th, 1974. It is available on Paramount+. Plus. I just realized, Garrett, I didn't check for any music edits, and I'm saying this. There are some, did you notice some strange edits? I noticed some strange cuts. Uh, and No. Word, word. I, I, and uh, and 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 you, I think, rightly suspect there's a scene here that was cut from syndication. Oh yes, which indicates which indicates something is cut from this, but I can't for the life of me remember what that would be, what musical cue that would be. Well, I just checked our list from our friend Lee about music cuts, and it's not. This is not an episode that has music okay. cuts, so I, we're in the clear. Um, before we talk about the episode, we want to give a shout out to our friends Joe and Louie at the Honeymooners podcast who has who have given us shout outs in the last couple of episodes. So we're shouting out for shout outs. Ah! Um, they uh, a acknowledged that uh, how they their podcast style, they don't do episode by episode. There's only 39 of the original Honeymooner episodes. So they actually do a very different thing where they just dissect many different things about the show and clips and flubs and ad-libs and many sorts of different things. Um, and then after that, they give us another shout out about our connection between Honeymooners and Odd Couple using Krauss Meyer's Bakery. Remember that? In the, right. Well, yes. as well they should. Guess you, yes. made, you made that connection. Yeah. Uh, and then, then uh, I think it was Joe said under his breath that we, you know, we started our podcast because of them, but he doesn't have to say that under his breath because it's true. I said that in our first episode that part of my inspiration for doing this was during COVID finding distractions was finding all these podcasts about old TV shows, which I never really looked for before finding theirs among others, but theirs was the one I was most interested in. And then realizing there was no odd couple one. So, um, and that's, that's how it all began. Yes. So, so shout out to them for all they do and for mentioning us. And then maybe they'll give us, maybe they'll give us a shout out for our (laughs) shout out and we'll continue. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So who is our writer for the big broadcast? Uh, This episode is one of the few, relatively few written by Frank Buxton, who was a more frequent uh, director of the series. Um, but he did, of the four episodes he wrote, he wrote the famous Password episode. He wrote this one, which is a pretty big one. And, uh, but he also wrote The Exorcists and The Different Drummer. Not two of my favorites, but, but pretty good. And, uh, but he also was, he was a very frequent director of the show, very involved, I think, pretty much throughout the, the most of the season, most of the series. And uh, in uh, Edward Gross's 25th anniversary Odd Couple Companion, he uh, is, gets an interesting uh, account from Frank uh, that this was kind of Frank's idea, this whole episode, because uh, Frank Buxton said, I am a radio historian and have even written a book called The Big Broadcast. 
for oh. Viking Press. So this is a whole plug for his book. <laughs> yeah, basically a plug for his book, right? Which I don't, I, I, I can't. The interview was done later, so I can't tell which came first for sure. But oh, maybe the uh, book came after the episode. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but certainly this right here, what he's saying in the book, is a plug. Uh, and it's a history of radio. So for radio fans out there, check out Frank Buxton's The Big Broadcast. I was pleased to be able to do that show. It's a subject I have enjoyed. Uh, a lot of what Tony did, Tony Randall did, may have come from his own experience. He was a radio actor and had a lot of stories to tell about that too. So um, yes, that's something I will become, I struck me a lot is how much Tony Randall is enjoying playing old time radio stuff. And Tony Randall, would had that in his background as a young actor in the 40s and 50s. Uh, Buxton, I should also say, has a double career as a writer, director, and also a, a voice actor. He started in radio as a voice actor and deals with a lot of animated. Uh, a lot of his credits are for big animated shows like Garfield. So. Animated radio shows? Uh, I don't... Uh, <laughs> I think those are just in black and white, right? Oh, okay. Um, all right. So the episode opens with Murray pulling up in his police car to fake 1049 Park Avenue. Now, I think this is a reused shot because there's a woman in a yellow coat who walks by the building while he's pulling up. And I remember that. I don't remember if Murray got out of the car and walked into the building in that original first use of this clip. Do you, do you remember anything what I'm talking about? I, I don't remember seeing this before, but what's in, notable about this clip is Murray, it seems I bought it as very specific to this episode because he's getting out of the car in like a, a very funny, happy mood and and, and leaving, the, which I, I thought kind of funny that he, here's this policeman just like double parking his car outside. I guess he can't, the police can do whatever they want, but he's double parking his cars out of the building and just leaving it there and just running up to the apartment and doing the scene. But he, he gets out of the cab with the same expression on his, sorry, the car with the same expression on his face as when he enters the scene. Uh, so it's possible it was filmed for this, but you know, during those location shots they did in the summer and then used, uh, maybe used part of it again. Oh, well, but I, I couldn't as find- we'll discuss, As we'll discuss, this is an out of sequence episode. Yes, I couldn't find the other episode where Murray pulled up and I thought I saw this, but doesn't he, um, in the scene when he pulls up, I just realized this now, actually I'm looking at it while we're talking, he's pulling up and blocking a car. So I, that's what, that's that's what, what you're saying. Weird, right. Yeah, yes. so yeah, <laughs> right. So if there's, I mean, he's not going up, I mean, presumably he's spending some time in the apartment Right. So if this guy who I see is part <laughs> wants to leave, that's really rude of Murray. Yeah, especially it's not an emergency. He's just right. going to go talk about a radio show. Um, but he, you know, I guess yeah, he's been threatening with a ticket. Can't can't beat City Hall. So in the living room now, we see Felix sharpening Oscar's pencils in an electric pencil sharpener on Oscar's desk. He sharpens two pencils, and both times he blows on the pencil uh, tip. I guess to get the excess lead or graphite which is of course <laughs> another connection to a password, uh -huh. to password. Yeah. maybe frank buxton really likes pencils uh on the third pencil when he blows the the when he blows on the tip the doorbell rings at the same time and felix starts to ponder if there's a connection between blowing and the doorbell <laughs> and he blows again and the doorbell rings again <laughs> and he stares at the pencil dumbfounded can't, can't figure out why blowing <laughs> on this pencil is making the doorbell <laughs> ring uh and then the buzzer well, rings is again. that how you interpreted it? 
I was, yes. I, it's a very funny bit, even though it makes Felix look a little dim, but I, I wondered whether Felix doesn't even connect it to the doorbell. Oh, then yes. he just notices every time he blows on the pencil, it goes back. Yes, that's that's what I was trying <laughs> to say. You're right. That yeah, that is right. that is more correct. Um, then the buzzer rings again without him blowing, and now he realizes it is the doorbell. Although he's still a bit befuddled by the whole thing, he says, "Come in." Uh, now, in the clip we're about to play. I'll just describe a little bit of the front part of it. Murray comes in very excited, very giggly. Felix tells him to go back and wipe his shoes on the doormat, which he does. And then he comes back in again, very giggly. And that is, I think, where we pick this clip up right here. Felix, wipe your feet. Close the door. On. Where's your radio? No, that's a humidor that looks like the radio. Football is the radio. Oscar got it for being an usher at Dick Butkus's wedding. So if you want to talk, call 555-6181, and I'll be happy to talk to you. This is Oscar Madison, Talking Sports. I'll be back in a minute. He'll be back in a minute? <laughs> Oscar's got his own radio show. Yeah. You know, I was cruising around my police car, you know, nothing to do, so I thought I'd listen to some police calls for a while. But they're boring. So I changed stations. There was Oscar, his own show. That's a talented guy. Yeah, but why didn't he tell me? Gee, I could have gone down there. I'd have cleaned off his desk. I'd have wiped off the mic. I'd told him exactly what to do every single second he was on the air. I'd never have left his side. Why didn't he tell me? Are you hurt, Felix? No. <laughs> now, the sound at the end is uh, Felix breaking the pencil uh, tips. Pencil tip. Am I using the wrong pencil? Pencil tip? It's graphite tip. No, but what's the... What's Everyone the, knows pencil that has been... But what's the tip called? The pencil... Oh. What's he uh, breaking? The pencil... Point. Point. point yes that's the word i couldn't think of uh, he's breaking the pencil point by he pushes it on oscar's desks on oscar's yeah. desk to break very childish uh, yes. kind of um i just looked up that i think dick buckus got married in 1963 and i believe maybe only had one that's interesting um, like i yeah, yeah i'm glad you looked at it because i was curious like is that a rep i mean i know dick buckus was a sports football personality player announcer well, he's ever, he, I mean, he was a player well, and, then, and, then a, and then became like an actor. He was. He, oh, he was, right. That's why I know. Him. Yeah. And he was uh, on the Blue, the Blue Thunder TV show. Remember that? Mm. With James Farantino and mm. Dana Carvey and Bubba mm. Smith. You don't remember that on ABC. Did we, we talked about it when we talked about Bubba Smith. We probably did. OK. Anyway, but it is like it was, yeah, was his wedding like a big to do that? That's what. Uh, well, why, according why, to. Well, according to what I just saw on Wikipedia, which I'm trying to verify because I didn't do this ahead of time, is that he was married in 1963. So th this is a fictional wedding, as far as ten, I can tell. Or it's the wedding from 10 years before. Oh, this. you're right. Why couldn't he have been there? Of course. Yes. But Did they like, have? What? But that makes it even more of an odd reference that like, it clearly was remembered. <laughs> it clearly was remembered do as we, like, some kind of crazy wild party. It seems to me that... 
football shaped radios were a thing of the 70s and not the early 60s or am i is that there's no reason to believe that well i can't verify that but um you can't? Why do I have you as a co-host then? These are the type of Pick things. someone older to... than you. Pick someone older than you. Um, um, all right. We, let's not belabor this point. It's not that. Someone important. out there knows whether Dick Buckus' wedding was a big deal. So please tell us. Uh, so Oscar walks in. So now that's obviously after Felix is breaking all the pencil points. Uh, we go to commercial. The next scene, Oscar walks in. He sees Felix drinking an alcoholic beverage and says, oh, belt rooney time. And I could use one. I, I, Beltori to me is getting is getting uh, a little bit sloshed, like okay. getting getting you, a drink. You know? Do you know this? No, or you're, no. You I did just, not look this up. Okay. No, I I I assumed that was a Oscar or Jack Klugman expression for having a drink. Whether or not it's an actual common phrase at the time, I did not look up because I just okay. made the reference contextually. Mm-hmm. Now he in a good in a good connection, although we've never seen this before, he opens the humidor that's shaped like a radio. Presumably that should be there every week, but it is not. Wow. He opens that's the humidor. Weird. Yeah. That's funny. So that they just put it there for this joke. For this episode. But he does joke. he uses it. For the for the two jokes, right? The joke that it's Murray thinks it's the radio. Right. And now he uses it as a humidor. And don't you remember a few episodes ago, he was looking for a cigar that he found under the couch. Oh. Under the couch cushion. I can't remember which episode right. it was, but we just talked so about it. Yeah. Maybe this is a new acquisition as a way to not lose his cigar. Yeah, but I feel like it's not there. I have a feeling it's not there ever again. Oh, okay. Are you looking we'll look up Belta? Are you looking up <laughs> Belta Rooney? I can see uh, you on the keep Zoom. Going. Keep okay. Going. Keep uh, sorry to go behind the scenes, <laughs> wizard. Um, so he he does take a cigar out of the uh, humidor, and he looks more closely at Felix's drink and says, "Where's mine?" Felix says, "In a pull top can in the ice box, I'm sure." He puts the cigar he just picked up into his breast pocket and says, "Uh huh," and heads to the refrigerator. Felix says, "Rough day." Oscar says, oh, yeah, like any other day, just a regular day. What did you do this regular day? Felix says, I cover the Yankee game. I wrote my column. Felix says, did your radio show? Oh, yeah, I did my radio show. Oh, boy, no wonder we're having cocktails for one. Now, you can barely hear him say cocktails for one, which is a funny line, because the audience laughs as soon as Oscar goes, oh, boy, no wonder. Or as soon as he repeats radio show. Yes, right, as soon as we radio show. (laughs) Uh, he says, well, I was hoping I could keep it from you for more than one day. Felix says, why do you want to keep it from me? The whole city listening in, and I'm sitting here with the football off. <laughs> because you're a Badinsky. 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 And this is a very important opportunity for me. I would love to have a radio show of my own. Felix are trying all new formats down there to fill those two hours. They tried political discussions and gardening. Now they're trying a sports talk show. I know you'd want to butt in, even though you don't know anything about sports. Felix says, but I know everything about radio. You do? Of course I do. Radio's in my blood, mister. In college, I managed the radio station for three years. I did everything. I was on the air. I was the newscaster. I was a disc jockey. I wrote the shows. I'm about to play a clip. Is there anything you want to add here? No. Okay. All right. Here's uh, Felix talking about his radio career. The whole campus listened to the Big F. Big F. 
that's me. Turn your dial for a while to the voice with a smile. F-E-L-I-X marks the spot. 1290 on your radio dot. And dot's a lot. That's college humor. Yeah, but college humor, that, that's amateur. This is the big time. I was professional. When I was a kid, I was on Let's Pretend. I played all kinds of parts. I was a frog once. Ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. I'm in the Actors' Union. Want to see a union card? You were a member of the radio's Actors' Union? I still am. Paid my dues for 20 years waiting for radio to come back. <laughs> then when it comes back, you don't tell me about it. See, that's another reason I didn't tell you, Felix. You gotta understand, this is not your big moment. It is my big moment. Now, I don't want to talk about my radio show anymore. Just give me my dinner. <laughs> when I finished my martini. Now, wait. And you heard the show, huh? I thought you didn't want to talk about it. I know. I know. Did you like it? There's only one thing wrong with your radio show. What's that? You don't have any personality. <laughs> Look who's an authority. Oh, that's a lot. That's a man. What do you mean? What's wrong? You have to have a distinctive style for radio. You have to use your natural gifts on the air. Yeah, but you can't see sloppiness on the radio. <laughs> there are other aspects of your personality that you could use on the air, like hostility, sarcasm. You're very good at that. Those are your strong points. I'm not kidding. Nothing succeeds in boosting the ratings like a touch of venom. And that's right up your alley. You're the best in the world at that. Get the feeling of being insulted. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not kidding, I mean it. Instead of saying, very nice of you to call, sir, you should say, get off the air, you stupid creep. <laughs> that's you, that's hostility, that sells. People love it. Look you, at Howard Cosell. You don't tell me people love to be called stupid creeps? Within certain limits, yes, but the main thing is, you weren't real, Oscar, you weren't you. You know, you got a, see, a couple of people, they ask some very stupid questions. I wouldn't let them have it. Why didn't you let them have it? Get in there, no, sing them. I think you're right, because... Of course I'm right. I wasn't very successful at that. I didn't get many uh, phone calls uh, in there. Uh. I'm going to write down some hostile notes right now. Because... And you said I couldn't help you. Yes, <laughs> well, my pencils are broken. Murray did it. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. I just love that. Um, the whole scene. The whole scene. And the whole series, I love this scene. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, that when he says, I get the feeling I'm being insulted, I, I've used that in my own personal life. <laughs> and, and, and why has that come up so much? In your oh, that's because I'm acerbic. <laughs> um, okay. it, uh, and also I'm married. Oh, yes. Well, uh, and, and of course, the way Felix says at the end, Murray did it. It's, yes. just, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a great capper. Yeah. And also just a, you know, a great, through line with in the pencil bit at the beginning feels totally extraneous right but the way that he it keeps coming back to the pencils and <laughs> i've never seen felix lie so badly <laughs> yeah the, so yeah. two jokes from the opening were paid off the humidor right and the pencils um he i never noticed this till doing this podcast he drops the show let's pretend he references i was on let's pretend as a kid which i never even heard him say that before right. i've seen this episode uh -huh. he says it's okay so it was a radio it was a it was a cbs radio show from 1934 to 1954 for children 
And he drops it so casually because I guess audiences in the 1970s mm-hmm. would know what this show yeah. was because they were yeah. part of the radio generation, many of them. Right. Yeah, I thought of that occurred to me too, how, um, again, like we have to remember this, the vantage point from 1974, right? Just like last week, we were talking about the Roaring Twenties, how they were as far from the 1920s as we are from them. And in this case, when they're talking about radio of the 40s and 50s, that is like us talking about the 80s and 90s. So um, it's, yeah, pretty much the demographic audience for this show uh, grew up at, at least at the tail end. Of, but it's funny when, when, and when Felix says, uh, I've been waiting 20 years for radio to come back, uh, that dates it to the 50s. Of course, the birth of television, you know, is what doomed, seemed like a doomed radio. But, but, and also what's funny is that we're still talking about like, you know, is radio coming back? <laughs> or maybe it did come back and it's podcasts. Well, I think it never went away. I mean, right. radio, I mean, it's not what it used to be, but it's still a profitable. And- well, it's kind of, I guess he's, he, Felix in that sense is talking about radio drama and that did yes, go yes. away. Right? Yes, it did. Um, by the way, if we believe that Felix was seven in between 1931 and 1933, as discussed last week yes. for our fathers, that would make them about eight to 10 years old when, when Let's Pretend began. Mm-hmm. So it does seem feasible that he was on Let's Pretend in its early years. Um, in terms of this nasty radio personality, they reference Howard <laughs> Cosell, but I do think this is also very tied to Bob Grant, who was a mm. very famous New York City radio broadcaster who in the mid-70s was on WMCA, and he became famous for being very angry and yelling Did at people. He, was he like the first of the, the, the guys who really, that, like that format of just like the random call in? Yeah, like, I, Larry, I, like Larry King ended up doing. Yes. And I don't think I, I can't say he is the first. He was one of the pioneers of right. that sort of style. Well, not just the Colin, but the angry host Colin. Yeah, right. I right, mean, right. Colin may may predate that by a lot more. I don't know. But the the angry Colin. Right, right. Bob yeah. Grant and was I, one of the pioneers. I, right. Now, Larry King is not a good example of the angry. But um, I remember in the 80s listening to and of course, yeah, that was that was quite a trend in the 80s well yeah he be he moved to abc wabc in the that's where i was used to listen to him in the in the mid 80s on wabc so i feel like that is also part of howard cosell Cosell did not have a show i think did the in the cosell episode from season two i think they have they do cosell is that where they show cosell on the radio or is that the next cosell episode it must be the next one because the first one he was he was doing monday night football monday night football right i just remember i think in the next one they do at least pretend that he's on radio. But if he had a radio show, I doubt it was yelling at callers. I, I doubt that too. So the next scene, we're outside of the ABC studio, which is the same shot that they're used in The Odd Candidate when they're doing the Igor show. Convenient if they need to show a TV studio. And in the studio, when we yeah. see the studio in the booth is the actor, Philip Field, who was Igor's director. Wow. Well, there you go. It's very consistent. I yes. guess he's, he runs that studio. Um, that's true. <laughs> You're right. I didn't. Th- I was thinking it was the same actor. You're suggesting it's the same character, and why Could not? Be. Could be. Could sure. be. I wonder who, but it, I've, I, I know you talked about the actor briefly last time, but as I remember, 
he did not have a lot of credits. No, Quincy. He was in very, many episodes of Quincy as one of the lab assistants. And but he's, he actually was a working actor and not really a stagehand. Uh, uh, I looked him up and I yeah. think that's correct. Maybe he's the kind of actor who is just born to say lines like you're on the air. Could be, and he says he says (laughs) nothing. He says nothing in this episode. He doesn't talk in this episode, does he? He he says one line. Oh, maybe he does say one line over the over the microphone. He gives a he gives a a cue. So now we see Felix walk into a radio studio, and he says hello to an African American woman who says hi back to him. I think this is the first African American woman we've seen on this TV show. Is that correct? Wrong. Wrong. You're forgetting. uh, Okay. They're not many, but you're forgetting uh, a pretty key one in who uh, has a very uh, important role in deciding Felix and Oscar's financial fate. Oh, of course. Fate. Yes. Lee Ferret. You're <laughs> Lee right. Ferret. I forgot I about Lee. The character, I right. forgot about Lee Ferret. That's a good point. I also believe, I think in the last courtroom show, jury i noticed that the jury had a i met with i met i guess i met with that was only a few lines yes speaking but i will say tina who you're about to mention it might it's probably the first recurring african-american character at all true if we don't account the unfortunately she did not recur very often the heavy set african-american man who shows up who has no lines that is not the same character yeah right um but i forgot about lee ferret you're correct so um, tell us about Tina. Felix says, I'm looking for Oscar Madison. And the woman says, oh, he'll be back in a minute. Can I help? I'm Tina, Mr. Madison's secretary. Felix says, Tina, where's Myrna? Tina says, on vacation. Now, Myrna quit 10 episodes ago. <laughs> so I, I think you're going to tell and us. And got married. And yes, got married. to Rob and- <laughs> Reiner, her real life husband. Yeah. Is this something out of order or is this a big sloppy mistake? Well, to their credit, it is to be fair to them, it is not a big sloppy mistake in the in the writing. But for some reason, now get this, big broadcast, this episode was the first episode taped of season uh, five. Oh. Which is interesting because they already know that Myrna is, uh, that they're planning this. They, Myrna's exit has already been written. Oh. Uh, Rain in Spain, which is the which is the Myrna getting married episode, which which they chose to lead season five with. That was not taped. That was the fifth episode taped. So, and I don't. And Penny Marshall does not appear in any of the ones before that. Just just for curiosity, I can do it quickly. This is the order of the first five episodes taped for season five. Big broadcast. Then Old Flames Never Die, which we haven't seen yet. Yeah. They delayed that. Which is also with also has Tina. Right. right. Tina's right. Her her second episode, right? That makes sense. And then The Frog. And then The Hollywood Story. And then they filmed all of those by the time they they taped Rain in Spain and then waited to broadcast Rain in Spain first. So they hired Tina. Well, let's talk. Let me just give talk about yeah. the actor tina's played by tina andrews in the first of two episodes her film credits go back to 1971 when she was on the brady bunch the davy jones episode then she was on mod squad there was a black person on the brady bunch apparently mod <laughs> squad room 222 sanford and son roots 
Days of Our Lives, Quincy. Oh, Quincy Sa- Ding. Sanford Arms, one of the other Sanford and Sons oh, spinoffs. Yeah. Falcon Crest, and then she later became a producer and writer. So they hire her for the first two episodes that they film. I guess you're saying when they did those two episodes, they knew Myrna was leaving. Oh, but they didn't know when they'd air it. So they hire her because probably Penny Marshall isn't available. Say Rob she's Reiner, a, I remember you made that point when we did that episode. They had to schedule around Rob Reiner. Yes, too. right. So they so they just did real. Yeah, the problem is the production people did a logical thing, but the network scheduling people did a unlogical thing, obviously not caring or even knowing that well, there's this nuance. Or once they knew what the episodes, the first few episodes were going to be, I think it made sense to, it was a good season premiere to go with Myrna. Well, that's what I'm saying. They they yeah. did it caring more about that, which they should, right, right. instead of yeah. this like minor character saying that right. Myrna's on But what's interesting here is that they're they're planning a a, a, a next Myrna character right from the beginning they say we need an oscar needs a new secretary and so they start her off in this and then she's in the next one that they film which presumably they might have they were going to air soon and then they forgot about her kind of like notice like phyllis right right so we'll notice unfortunately after other than that the old flames never die oscar never has a secretary all right so tina starts to crumble up a piece of paper and uh, that leads into this next clip. Be sure to get the ashtray. Ah, uh, you must be Mr. Unger. Oscar told you about me, huh? Yeah. What did he tell you? A lot of neat freak jokes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> told you I polished my shoe trees? Yeah. That I used the water pick on my toes? No. But well, that's funny, use the water pick on your toes. Everybody, this is the Big F. <laughs> Felix Unger broadcasting to you from high atop the library building. And now the news as the time will allow. Berlin, Germany. Today, Adolf Hitler announced his intention of invading Poland. I love to invade, he said when questioned by this reporter. And now the weather report for Mexico. Chilly today and hot tamale. <laughs> and now it's... Who are you? I'm, I'm Felix Unger. I'm, I'm a personal friend of Oscar Madison's. Well, I'm Jim Antrobus. I'm the station manager. Now, oh. don't fool with that yeah. gear. Okay. You never can tell when a mic is live. Oh, I can always tell a hot mic when I see one. <laughs> so you're in charge here, huh? You're the man who decides who goes on and who goes off? Yeah. Me and the listeners. Uh-huh. See all those little buttons there? Uh-huh. Don't touch it. If uh, a program is popular, they uh, light up like a Christmas tree. It's uh-huh. a sign that people are trying to get through on the phone. Uh-huh. If uh, no lights blink, no Christmas. And no Christmas bonus, huh? <laughs> Hi. Hi, Jim. Good luck on your show today, Oscar. Uh, I'll be listening in my office. What are you doing here? Came down to help you. You want to help me go sit in the corner somewhere? I'll be on the air in a few seconds. Let's remember one thing. Be mean. Yeah. Be hostile. Okay. Be yourself. Yeah, okay, okay. Ready, Oscar? Where's your announcer? What announcer? To tell the people who you are, what you're going to do in the new format. I don't know, Phoenix. I'm not Ted Using. You're on the air, Oscar. Go. Hi there, sports fans. Don't be down. The man with the frown is coming around to drag you down to the ground. And here he is, 
Mr. Venom, Oscar Bad Madison. Uh, welcome to the Oscar Madison Sports Talk Show. There's going to be a lot of talk tonight. Some of it you'll like and some of it you won't. Well, either way, why don't you call 555-6181. Let me know how you feel and let us get to the first phone call right now. Hello? Yes, ma'am. What's on your mind, dummy? <laughs> oh, listen to this, hockey puck gang. Um, so I always love the way Tina laughs after yeah. she leaves. She says there's something about that laugh that's very uh she's very good, she's very yes, likable, yes. And, and it's such a shame that they couldn't uh continue with her. Um Antropus, Jim Antropus, is played by noted character actor Graham Jarvis, who's just very recognizable. He's on a lot very of stuff. Recognizable. He's yeah. best known, I think, if for those who still know this show, although there's a reason to be aware of it. Uh, he was Charlie Haggers, husband to Mary Hartman's best friend on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and the spinoff show after Louis Lasser left called Forever Fernwood. And Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman is coming back. There's a re- reboot in the works. Really? Wow. Yes. Uh, he was also in, a, in an early episode that I'm sure we'll get to in the in when we do our All in the Family podcast <laughs> of All in the Family. Oh, well, you convinced me. I need to see more. Graham Jarvis. Mantropus, Graham Jarvis. Uh, now, Oscar, uh, here's another reference I never picked up on uh, watching this episode. Oscar says, I'm not Ted Husing. Now, I did not know who Ted Husing was. Did you? No, you? I, it sounds like he's saying Ted Hughes. Which obviously, he's not referring to the poet. So, no, I did not know this name. So, Ted Husing was a sportscaster who started working at CBS in the 1920s. And he's considered the original pioneer of sports, uh, of sports broadcasting and play by play. Well, that and, would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And he, um, he kind of, at the time, he was probably the most famous or, or yeah, the early pioneer of, of sports broadcasting. Um, and I even watched um, a This Is Your Life episode. I went and watch it, but <laughs> there was a This Is Your, this is Your Life did an episode on him. And uh, I, I looked a little bit at it just to see what he looks like. So we're back at 1040. One of, by the way, this is another great moment of Felix stealing the microphone and ad-libbing yes. crazy stuff on the air. It's very reminiscent of the Monday Night Football. Uh, and he, yeah, and there doesn't seem to be any way to stop him from doing these things. <laughs> right. Um, I'm also, I just noticed something here and I'm looking it up while we're talking. Mm-hmm. Oscar, we don't hear anybody saying anything to Oscar, the caller, like when he's, when he says, yes, right. ma'am. Right. Oh, well, sorry. He does put on headphones. I just realized, I thought he didn't put on headphones, but he yeah, puts on he's holding it in yeah, a weird way. He's yeah. holding his hand. <laughs> he yeah, I see that. I see that here. Okay. So we're back at 1049 Park Avenue. Felix and Oscar come home. We hear Felix in the outside hallway say, here he comes. He's the champ. Come on, <laughs> champ. The man from Mad, Mr. Mean himself. And Oscar walks in and his sports coat is completely torn apart. Felix says, that board lit up like a Christmas tree, boy. Oscar says, what about the cab driver that did this to me because of what I said about the Mets? Felix says, he's a fan. Oscar says, yeah, and the bartender who recognized my voice and threw the beer in my face, another fan? Felix says, you're darn right. The only time you need to worry is when they stop throwing beer in your face. Now the telephone rings. Oscar picks it up and says, hello. Yeah, this is Oscar Madison. And we hear the other end. <laughs> a Charlie Brown kind of. <laughs> yes, it's a little sped up, but it's a Charlie Brown teacher's voice type. Of thing. 
And Oscar says, calm down, will you? Look at this, another one. Whoa, what? Yeah, yes, yes. I said water polo is a dumb sport. That's right. Yes, I can swim. Swim up what? Then we hear the caller hang up. I was always baffled. What mm-hmm. did the what did she say or he? I always thought it was a well, woman. I, I assumed it was a woman too, but I guess you're, it's not in the dialogue. He doesn't call her ma'am or something. No, but, but the voice he, is a bit higher pitched. Is it swim up Shit's Creek? Like what is what is the well, phrase? That is that would be that's the most natural assumption. But Klugman plays it like he's really shocked, right? That, and which I think it is the, the point is it's some old lady that it would use this language. So I, I think Shit's Creek would be too conventional, like, and even like uh, swim up my ass would be. <laughs> Even I, it could be another part of her body that she's referring to. I think I that's the, the that's lucky thing I, is that because of standards and practices, we they never had to decide, right? Really, but they Klugman must have had to imagine something really shocking. So <laughs> Oscar, that reaction. Oscar hangs up the phone and says goodbye. Felix says they love you. Oscar says they hate me. Felix says no, they love to hate you. Look, I never promised you that they would love you. I promised you they'd listen to you. Oscar says, yeah, they listen to me. Both fists are clenched. Now the doorbell rings. Oscar goes to answer it. And at this point, Felix and Oscar are doing that thing where they talk over each other, which is hard to do, but they do it well. Felix says, what's the matter with you? Two lousy phone calls. Oscar says, I don't want everybody to hate me. A cab driver who's out of his mind. Felix says, don't let that sort of thing bother you. So Oscar opens the door and we see Eddie Garrett there and a woman, a shorter woman who goes uncredited. Eddie Garrett says, Oscar Madison? Oscar says, yes, sir. Garrett nods at the woman. Eddie Garrett nods at the woman, not you, Garrett. Oh. And, and uh, who we assume is his wife. And the woman hits Oscar pretty hard with her purse <laughs> in his stomach. They put on New York Mets hats and walk away. And Felix says, thanks, keeps listening. Another Don't, great role for Eddie Garrett. What? Doesn't Oscar wear a New York Mets hat a lot? Yes. So that isn't is he a hat of choice? Yeah. Isn't he a fan then? <laughs> Good question. Um, but you know, he could be a. F- now he apparently said bad things about the Mets on the show, and he could have just been complaining about how poorly they're doing. Although, oh God, I don't want to go down this. But you know, they obviously they won. They started as a bad team in the early '60s. They won in '69, and I think they had another World Series appearance in the early '70s. But maybe this is when they started to be bad again, 74. So it's not inconsistent that he could be a Mets fan, but say insulting things about them. And the the people listening don't know that he's a Mets fan. But it is true that Oscar Madison um, never, uh, in the series at least, never wears a Yankees cap. Oh, stand correct. No, he never wears a Yankees cap. Right. Even in the flashback to oscar's wedding when the mets didn't even exist yet he wears a mets cap we must have talked about that at the time yes uh all right so felix says thanks keep listening after the woman belts him uh so now we're in a new scene oscar's on the phone he says yeah bye bye felix says huh another fan oscar says no that was anthropus from the radio station we have to cut out the hostility felix says what Oscar says, he says, people aren't listening to their radios anymore. They're breaking them. He's getting hate mail from Quakers. <laughs> That's a funny line. By the, I've always assumed this all is all happening the same day. 
And then uh, Oscar's yeah, done this so. for one day. So how could you get hate mail on a radio show? Oh, I see. Oh, I see. in the well, first day. It doesn't it, have to be though, right? There is a, after Eddie Garrett and his wife uh, uh, visit him and hit him. Uh, we have a new scene, so the new scene could be oh later. I I think uh, they're wearing the same clothes though. Uh, no, I'm gonna I'm trying to check it out live, but. Maybe he's getting hate telegrams from Quakers. Hold on. I'm looking at the code. No, it's the same code. Oh, hold on. Um, I know this is not interesting podcasting, but. <laughs> Ted is watching the episode as we I'm speak. going. Yes, I'm going to look right now. About to go to the next scene. Oh, no, you're right. They're wearing different clothing. Okay, good. Yep. Good call. Okay. Well, that, well I was about to say, you know, they, I suppose they could be emails, right? I. <laughs> If there was a time machine, <laughs> somehow. Only Quakers have email at this time. Um, so now, uh, after that, Felix says, there's no problem. You adjust. They don't want hostile. You give them Mr. Nice Guy. Oscar says, you said they like Howard Cosell. They don't like nice guys. Nice is always nice. It's another aspect of your personality. You with that wonderful charm, that Madison charm, that million-dollar smile. Oscar says, oh, come on. You can't just smile on the radio. Felix says, oh, sure you can. Let's see that smile. So he puts his fingers on Oscar's face and he pushes his mouth up into a smile. He says, there, yeah, that's nice. Look at that. A little bit of sandwich in the tooth there, see? The face with a smile is the voice with a smile. And that leads to this scene, which has one of my all-time favorite <laughs> gags. You better get out of here before I break both your legs. <laughs> Sit down. You're at the radio station. You're getting a phone call. You respond with charm with Mr. Nice. Go ahead. Pick up the phone. The phone call's coming in. Hello? No. Hello? Hello? Nice. We go, hello. hello. You gotta feel it a little bit from hello. inside. Hello? Yeah, that's right. Hello, you stupid creep. Why don't you get off the Again, you peep in it. Charm. Be okay. nice. Well, Be nice. I'm very glad you called, sir. I'm interested in your opinion. I'm not interested. I can't talk to somebody yes, like that. No, you be somebody talks to me angrily, I'm going to answer that. You give it. Nobody can do it. You've got to be sorry. It's impossible. You're an angel or something. No, you do it. Easy. I recall my early training as a gentleman. Let me see you do it. Go ahead. Nothing to it. Hello? Hello? Is this Oscar Madison? Yes, this is he. Listen, you big mouth creep. You don't know nothing about nothing. Why don't you stop polluting the air and get off it? Why, you ugly little ignoramus. What happened to nice and sweet with the little girl? Nobody talks to me that way. Uh, one of the best lines yeah, of all time. It is. It is it's a, a, what a great switch for Felix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that. Um, it just, yeah. It's, uh, again, it's Felix teaching Oscar how to do something. Yes, right, right. And this has a special twist at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so the next scene, Felix and Oscar eating breakfast. Felix says, feel better if you talk about it. Oscar says, what's there to talk about? For two days, I've been Mr. Nice Guy at the station. I've gotten one phone call. Oh, yes, I did get one. A guy who wanted to sell me Mambo lessons, which I will, I'm sure is not true, but I have to say it. There is an episode of the Honeymooners about Mambo. Carlos and the Mambo. <laughs> By the way, I would tell you, I find that to be, and I'm sure uh, I've said this to Joe and Louie before. And I'm sorry, I'll say it again. It is my least favorite Honeymooners episode. Oh, they, in their opinion, and they believe all the listeners' opinion, it is one of the best episodes. So the the only the only way I part with with Louie and Joe uh, on the Honeymooners podcast is I just don't like the Mambo episode. I'm sorry. I just all I remember is how funny it, the way Jackie Gleason says yeah. the line, "Carlos teaching you the Mambo." 
is that the thing? It's like he's, he's jealous that Alice is. Yes. The, is yes. Take it. Yeah. Right. Uh, so Felix says, Oscar, what would you say if I told you? Felix says, Oscar, what would you say if I told you I figured out a way to make the Oscar Madison show the talk of New York? Oscar says, I'm going to tell you, tell you something. Listen carefully. Carefully. There are two things in this world I don't need right now. That's you and a fungus. Felix says, even fungus begins with fun. And then Felix does a big laugh. And I think we're going to- Crazy pick, sense of humor. Yeah, we'll pick the clip up from that laugh. Now, this is a scene, I'll just say a little ahead of time. This is the only scene I don't like in this episode. I just find it irritating, actually. <laughs> you make me laugh. Gang, come on. Good morning, Mr. Madison. Good morning, Oscar. <laughs> You brought an audience to watch me eat? Bear with me, Oscar. Believe me, what your show needs is a return to those thrilling days of yesteryear when out of the past came the thundering hoofbeats of real live radio. You ready, cast? Ready. ready. We're on the air. Come on, Jimmy. We got to get to the secret headquarters of the mysterious Dr. Zwab before midnight or the entire world will explode. Yes, fellas and gals, it's time once again for America's great crusader, the adventuring ranger. Ranger! Ranger! I don't believe it. I wrote this in college. And now, back to the adventuring ranger. Ranger! Ranger! Let's join the adventuring ranger and his young cohort, Jimmy, as they make their way through the dense jungle underbrush towards the castle of the mysterious Dr. Zwub. The ranger speaks. Just follow along behind, Jimmy. I'll just put my foot in your cupped hands here and lift myself onto the wall. Jump up here and grab the top of the wall. I'll stop the end with all those grunts going on? You don't like the adventuring ranger? Ranger! Ranger! Will you would you come out of here? Wait outside, Casta. I'll be outside with you in just a minute. Now that was obviously Murray and Tina as the cast. I just find that scene annoying. It's I don't yeah. think it's that funny to do like a what is really just a regular kids kitty serial show from the radio. It's just not that funny. Yeah, it's like not even, it's barely parody. It's like, right, the, it's not parody. <laughs> it's the actual show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With, with and, a second rate uh, cast. Yeah. So, um, and it's, and it's, it's, um, it goes, yeah, it goes, it's too much of that. I know it's probably only like 30 seconds long, but it feels <laughs> endless for that moment. I think this is a scene that was, I don't remember seeing a lot when it yeah. was on PIX in the 80s in New York. I think this was I, cut. I agree. I think I, this just was not familiar to me at all. It was a surprise when it, it, it came on for me. I did not remember it. And, uh, and I think I would remember it because I want to mention that Felix is wearing a short sleeve sweater thing. That is uh, one of his boldest fashion statements on the show. Um, and I think I'd remember that. So I think this is one of the times when the cut, the cut mate was good idea. Yes, right. So, uh, and this is my problem with the whatever they re-edited these. I know this sounds starting to sound like some conspiracy theory of mine because no one can confirm this. But I believe a, a second gunman, a second set of a second editor, came in, did a separate set of edits around the '90s, and they when they somehow reintroduced all these syndications. And 
I was annoyed at the time watching those reruns because I noticed things that I liked missing and things being added that didn't need to be there, that weren't funny. And it seemed like the original syndication cuts were wiser, usually, usually. Um, and this is one of those instances. Now, it is justifiable in that I see how, in retrospect, it might have been weird to go from the uh, be nice, uh, the scene we just had where Oscar's new plan is to just be nice on the air. And then the very next scene was setting up for the big broadcast that we're about to see. And there's no a segue. And it was a kind of rough transition, but I kind of went with it. Anyway, this does set up the idea that Felix is going to instead make Oscar do a radio play. And that that is the role it serves in the episode. But the idea that Felix would think Oscar would do a radio play, not about sports, not even about sports, is actually more confusing than yes, not. Yeah. Right. And by the way, I'm looking also now at that sweater thing you're referencing, which I didn't even <laughs> notice. It is pretty. It's not. It's all white, so it doesn't yeah. stick out. But it's very. It looks like a something. A, a, and he's wearing like a. He's wearing like a jewelry or some kind. He's wearing like a, a some oh, bling. A bra- oh yeah, he's, he's got, got a bracelet bling. on. You're right. I didn't notice it's, it's that. This is new casual wear. Right this now. looks like something an 80-year-old woman would wear. But <laughs> right, he, he does have a bracelet on. That's so weird. I didn't even notice that before. Um, it was 1974, season five. I think they were just, I think they're trying all kinds of things, you know, to keep the show current. So Felix says, uh, Oscar, this is real radio. Oscar says, Felix, this is hardcore nonsense. I'm doing a sports talk show, not a kitty matinee from the 40s. And he does the... Whew, noise which uh, they think is not as funny as they all think it is <laughs> felix throws his script down like a little boy throwing a tantrum he mopes back to his seat and he says wait better 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 oscar says what's better what's better we won't do the adventuring adventuring ranger felix says oscar says look how he listens finally to a man who's been aggravated to death Felix says, I'll write authentic factual stories of great moments in sports oscar says but you don't know anything about sports Felix says, I'll make them up. So we're back and in the radio. There's ra- your segue. There's your segue. Yeah. We're back in the radio studio. We see Felix and Oscar and Murray and Tina and an organ player and anthropist in the studio. They're all looking at a script. Felix asks the organ player if he knows what he's doing and if he has all his music marked. Oscar says, Felix, I just read your script, which makes no sense <laughs> to me. He just read it? Standing there? It's his show. It's the I know. Right. Uh, this isn't the story about Babe Ruth and the kid. The names are wrong. The places are wrong. It's not the way it happened. Felix says, but it's better than the way it happened. This is dramatization based on rumor. That's a funny one. Now the station manager comes in and says, Madison, this script is going out of the air. Oscar says, well, it's a new concept. He says, Antropist says, a new concept. This is what killed radio. <laughs> Murray steps in and says, we're going to, it is interesting that in the 70s, right. people think radio is dead, where today yeah. we think yeah. the 70s was the heyday of radio in some ways, obviously not before TV. Of disc jockeys, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I love that re- recurring motif, right? That radio is this is dead. Or, Murray steps Murray steps in and says, we're going to light up your switchboard. Tina says, this is going to make you the hero of broadcasting. Anthropist says, who are these people? Now, Murray, he wouldn't know, but Tina's been around yeah, before. She so was he just should, there. Right. So he but to be know. fair, in the last scene, they were not in the room together. No, but you would think. But Oscar's having his secretary help with the show. Yes. So Anthropist should know who that. Yeah. Um, Felix says, this is my cast. Anthropist says, I hope they're members of the union. If they're not, they can't perform. 
Now, we're going to play the last seven and a half minutes of the show because you really can't do it justice by quoting it. You have this to hear it. This is the scene. Yeah. Yes, right. Okay, so sit back and enjoy this scene. Great what kind of sports. water are you pumping, mister? <laughs> Wait, you talked over it, so I'm going to play it again. <laughs> Just introducing it. Okay, go awesome. ahead. In- introduce it. Enjoy great moments in sports. What kind of bilge water are you pumping, mister? Don't worry, kids. He can't do anything to us. I'm sorry. It's union rules. Union? You say union? You want to see a union card? I'll show you a union card. What does that look like? That is a union card. You're darn right. All right, you're all right, but these two will have to go. Sorry, kids. (laughs) It's radio. Showbiz. Better luck next time. You seen how smart I was to pay my dues? Felix, this was written for four people. So what's the difference? This is radio. We'll double. That's radio. That's the beauty part. Okay, everybody set? Cast? We're the cast. Right. Sound effects. (laughs) Music. Okay. (laughs) What's that? What's what? That reads. Oh, nothing is a smoker's cough. One minute to go, Oscar. Are you going to be all right? Man, this coffee's going to be I'll put it out. I'll be all right. Sure, okay, sure. okay let's go. <laughs> get him out of here. The guy's got to be in our shoes. Would you mind waiting outside till this is over, sir? Do I get paid? Yes, you'll be paid double. Just don't. Don't. You know what to do. You've, you watch the sound effects. You'll do the same. But I'm the narrator. It's a small part. You'll do it. Oh, I noticed that. Right. Five seconds. All right, everybody, cup your ears. There was no cure, 
He was sobbing quietly. The nurse spoke softly. The child stopped crying when the nurse spoke softly. Little Billy? Yes? The immortal babe is here to see you. Mr. Ruth? Oh, just call me babe. Oh, gee, Willikers. The great Bandito is here. That's Bambino. It sure is nice to see you. Hey, kid, you got a radio. Yeah, it's a keen one. It doesn't get any static. Well, you'll be listening to the ball game this afternoon. And when the announcer tells you I'm up to bat, I'm going to point to a spot in right field grandstands and hit a home run right into that spot. And it's going to be just for you, little Billy. Well, fans, it's top of the eighth here at Wrigley Field. The bases are loaded. The babe steps up to the plate. A hush falls over the crowd. Wait a minute. What's going on here? The immortal babe is pointing to the right field bleachers, and I'll bet it means something to somebody somewhere. Gunsweiler gets a signal again. There's the wind-up and the swing. It's going. It's going right to the spot where the babe pointed. Oh, and listen to that crowd roar! sicker and sicker until finally one day when it looked like the end was near in far off England in a tiny laboratory a miracle took place I see Dr. Margulis I think I've done it hmm? what's that Dr. Fleming I've discovered penicillin Joke and Novelty Company, makers of the world-famous Pomerantz Joy Buster. This is Felix Unger reminding you to tune in tomorrow for Oscar Madison's Great Moments in Sports. This is Felix Unger, your host.
I think one of the more most memorable scenes in the entire yes. series. Entire series. Yeah. All right, let's break down what we want to or can. So the sound effects man, who was like seven minutes ago, <laughs> has one joke, basically. That's Stanley Adams, who already did this joke on The Odd Couple because he was Sure Shot Wilson, right. a hustler, and that was the joke about him was his cough. Yeah, and it's really surprising because it's like uh, I got the impression from the Hustler episode from he's he's you know he's an actor of some career you know yeah yeah also very, very good he's great in that episode and it's like they brought him back just to do the coughing bit and just he, to do the heavy smoker's cough bit he doesn't do anything <laughs> which i think maybe was partially reality because he died a few years later Ooh, okay. and we have another very sad story funny. of oh, death God. coming up great. Great. uh and that's this one so the organist who we do see a fair amount of for given that he's got nothing to yeah. say yeah. played by a guy named John Thomas Lennox. This is his only ad acting credit. I don't know what he did on The Odd Couple, this show, but he must have been doing something because he was a lot, uh, he was behind the scenes on other Gary Marshall shows um, as unit production manager on Happy Days on Laverne and Shirley, assistant director on The New Odd Couple. He directed four episodes of Laverne and Shirley. He was also the executive producer of Splash. But I was shocked to find out he died of a heart attack on his 50th birthday. Oh, great. So I did not, you know, I was, I, I didn't think we'd get all this maudlin story about this guy who we see for two seconds. The, of the, the frown is here to bring you down. Right. That's me. <laughs> um, so that's a sad. That is, that is very sad. Yeah. And I, he, I, do you think you're always better at this? Is he, there's no, he's not actually playing an organ, right? Well, I got to wonder, he's not an actor, so what is he, why is he there? You know, why does Gary Marshall put him in the episode? And either he just wants someone who looks, he thinks he's a nice looking kid to put there. But uh, another reason he could be there is if he could really play. You know, someone played it, someone played, I don't know, that could be stock. No, it can't be stock. It had, there's two, it's not just the one theme. I remember the da 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 but then has the little, uh, you know, Rule Britannia the little, has some different musical cues. So someone had to play it for this episode and compose it. And who knows, maybe that was his sideline. But um, he, he, they don't show his hands, though. So it, it is possible he's like the, you're right, he went on to work for Gary Marshall for maybe this was his internship or something where Gary just put him on the show. Don't know, it's a mystery. So Felix uses a glass to talk into to say, Dr. Churn calls surgery. Dr. Yeah, one Churn of the great, so- Part of the whole fun of this for Tony Randall and for Frank Buxton, who wrote and directed the episode, is the recreation of all the old sound effects for radio shows and the kind of like homemade, very analog <laughs> uh, you know, ways that they do the sound. Uh, a great bit is when Felix says, I think I'll stop walking now. <laughs> <laughs> right, because Oscar is walking on a, uh, a, a, wooden, a wooden board bored yeah for some reason he's doing oh they're walking together right yeah babe and the doctor are walking together but only oscar is doing the walking right uh that's that is one of my favorite lines of the whole series I'll felix, stop walking. now felix at the beginning of the story says bambino correctly yes but there's a the doctor but there's a joke later where he says bandito which is supposed <laughs> to be felix messing it up not the kid right well why do you assume I that because Oscar says that's Bambino looking at Felix like you don't yeah, know what you're right. talking about. Right, right, right. So 
it makes it's not funny if the kid's saying it wrong and ask and ba- babe corrects him it's funny that felix says it wrong but yes, felix said it right a 30 seconds earlier so that's just a mistake i think well but maybe felix got it lucky he got it right the first time but because he still doesn't really know well that still defeats the joke the the people listening don't get that um felix uses two big bats to hit him together to make the noise of the baseball being hit but they hurt his hands like when he does (laughs) it it it, the reverbs into his hands that he's he looks um hurt uh when felix plays the dog barking so that's a sound effects but the cheers are on an lp on a sound effects lp that they have set up on a record player and felix accidentally plays the wrong track he plays the dogs barking but for the joke the dog bark goes on five seconds felix could easily have lifted up that needle less than a second into it and fixed it but it's it's a Okay, that bothers me. There's another. It's a. It's a funny. It's another funny snafu on the. You know. Yes, but it. But this happens. This happens next in the next episode where Felix does something that he could stop in real life before it finishes. But if he did that, it would ruin the joke. I, oh, you've got I, me really. Well, I'm really looking forward to next week's podcast because I, I have no idea what. <laughs> It's, that one, the one coming up, bugs me a lot more than this one. Okay. But wow. you would agree I, that in okay. real life, if Felix was on the radio, right. he if you were doing this, if you were actually yes, playing yes, around, yes, you would lift yes, that thing up yes, way before. Yes, yes, right. yes. Um, now, they use the term light up like a Christmas tree too often in this episode. It's said three times. Yeah. I find it annoying. Yeah, they make a big deal of it when Antrobus first says like, like they the whole scene is like here look at this board this is what it's all about right and it's supposed to kind of plant the seed of what's driving oscar's career but uh, i'm not sure but that, saying it three times is yeah, sloppy yeah. it just i don't it's, it's, it's like cliche. annoying yeah. it's yeah uh before oscar says the big p he makes a very funny <laughs> face to indicate he does not want to say that yeah i must okay so part of what i admire about this scene so much what i love about it is that Plug, you know, Tony Randall obviously is just having a is a tour de force of like reenacting all his favorite radio things from history. But Klugman is so good at at being at playing Oscar, reading this for the first time. Yes, <laughs> you know, of like struggling. Even though Klugman actually, in many instances, like when he's playing Babe Ruth, he's showing that he's a better actor than Oscar Madison is, who is not an actor. <laughs> and Oscar Madison does Oscar Madison have his Union Radio Union card? Oh, that's a good point. But <laughs> I well, maybe, he had, maybe show, yeah, maybe so. he had to get one for the show. All right, right, yeah. But anyway, uh, but the way Klugman goes back and forth between in playing, like enjoying playing Babe Ruth, but then having to like struggle with this crazy script that Felix wrote, and the expression on his face, he comes like a thirty seconds before he says the line <laughs> when he first sees it, the big B. and then he is so embarrassed when he says it. It's great. Now at the end, Oscar's supposed to bang the gong. But he's walked away, so Felix throws his shoe at it, which is great. He really does hit it. It's yeah, a one take. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's it's very good. Now I did look into this. So the real story of Babe Ruth and the kid is that an eleven-year-old kid in New Jersey named Johnny Sylvester was a big, big Babe Ruth fan, and he was kicked in the head by a horse, and also had some other ailments, and he was believed to be dying. 
Someone sent a telegraph wire to Big Ruth, who was in St. Louis for the World Series, about the fan, the sick kid fan. Ruth sent a package of signed items back to Johnny Sylvester and a note that said, I'll knock a homer for you on Wednesday, which was game four of the World Series, Yankees and Cardinals. And he hit three home runs that day. And supposedly Johnny Sylvester got better immediately. The Yankees eventually lost. And when Babe Ruth visited Johnny, Johnny said, I'm sorry, the Yanks lost. Now, a dramatized version of this was depicted in the 1948 movie, The Big Ruth Story, starring William Bendix. Um, and then Johnny Sylvester uh, lived, he survived and died in 1974. I'm sorry, in 1990 at the age of 74. But there was did not found a novelty. Uh... No, he was the head of some company, but it was not oh. as interesting as a novel company. Uh, so there was... People who believe that the story was all a hoax anyway, because of yeah. he had all these different injuries. But based on my, well, the kid had lots of different ailments, and and the belief, according to what I found out, the reason people thought it was a hoax is because they keep hearing he had different sorts of ailments. My research says he had multiple ailments, and that it wasn't that they were cherry picking different ones at different times. Well, now this is interesting because what year was this World Series? Uh, this was 19. Ooh. You um, said this was in St. Louis. This was in St. Louis. Yes. Uh, I think, Oh, I did actually have this because I, well, now I'm looking it up now. I did, uh, <laughs> well, 1926, well, okay. 1926. Thank you. Thank you. Because, okay. So, um, so what our playwright dramatist is doing here, presumably Felix and Felix and Frank, probably Frank Buxton, writing this for the show. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned the William Bendix movie because that's probably what they are in the show here, in The Odd Couple, like lifting from. They're lifting the story probably more directly from the movie. Because as you said, like in the real story, Babe Ruth visited the kid afterwards. He didn't actually see him and promise him in person to hit the home run. No, he did it through correspondence. Right, right. So it's in the movie that he actually oh, right. sees him. Right. Yes, right. In the movie, they changed it, I believe, to where he actually visited him in the hospital. Right. And the other thing that's going on in this parody version is they also include a very different Babe Ruth story of the called shot of when he points to the stands and hits the home run, which actually is from a different World Series. If oh. that, is a, that happened in Wrigley Field in Chicago. That's when I knew it was a different. It's not St. Louis. And I'm looking that up, and that's in the 1932 World Series. I see. Uh, and so in their version of it, they just, in a very typical Hollywood way or old-time radio way, uh, combine those, conflate those two into one story. Which also reminds me that this story resurfaces in, an, in a Seinfeld episode. Do you remember that? Is that, uh, the, is that the one where he punches Joe DiMaggio? <laughs> no Kramer um, punches a, yeah that it involves Kramer it's when uh I think because of George is working for the Yankees Kramer gets Kramer's involved somehow and ends up Babe Ruth's jersey getting makes makes Paul O'Neill real Yankee Paul O'Neill yeah. has a cameo and makes Paul O'Neill promise to hit a home run for yeah. a boy in oh, the right. hospital Right. That's the one with the baseball card. That's the one with the baseball card with a yeah. signed Yankees card. Yes. I just, I watched that one recently. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. right. Um, anything more we want to say about this classic scene? It's just great. Yeah. In the tag 
Felix is still in the studio. Oscar walks in and says, well, they got hundreds of calls. And Felix says, no kidding. Isn't that great? Oscar says, correcting the story. Felix says, that doesn't matter. What did they think about in the front office? Oscar says, they love it. They're going to keep it as a regular feature. Felix says, no kidding. Oscar says, only they're going to use professional actors. We're out. Felix says, I'm a professional actor. What are you talking about? I'm a member of the union. And he pulls out his radio actor's union card, shows it to Oscar, who takes it, tears it up, throws it in the air. Felix says, oh, come on, don't do that. I can't act in radio without it. And then Oscar turns on the, the up the volume of the record player, which for some reason is still playing <laughs> the crowd cheering. And we hear the crowd cheering that uh, uh, Felix can no longer act in radio. I think that's kind of funny. It's funny, even if it's a little silly. Um, yeah, this is a great episode. If I was watching the television credit, I think I'd give it five out of five. Right. Television cut, yeah. I'd give it five out of five, Maurice. Yeah. But that whole Ranger scene... I knock off a half point because I think it's a waste of time. And so do the editors, but I'm judging based on the full episode mm. Mm. and I'm going to give it look, doesn't four and a half or five. It's still a classic. Well, I had exactly the same thought process, but dilemma, but I'm going to pretend I never saw that Ranger. Series. Okay. <laughs> See, I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt and unsee that scene and uh, remember you, it in its original syndication form. You're going to unring the and, bell? <laughs> so to speak, yes. Um, and uh, it is, yeah, without that scene, it is pretty close to a perfect episode. And there's just so many gags, so many laughs. It builds up to a great climactic scene, like I think so many of the great Odd Couple episodes do. We haven't talked about that, but, you know, not all that does not a requirement of a great episode, but so many of them do, whether it's the courtroom scene or whatever, where you end up having to play the whole seven minute clip or something like that's usually the mark of a good, a good episode. Um, and it's just so, yeah, I think Rand, Tony Randall is doing such great stuff, evoking the old time radio stuff. Uh, and it just brings out the best in the two actors in their, you know, this isn't a sloppy versus neat fight. This is about Felix the control freak ruining Oscar's career, oh, which happens more and more. That's actually something I wanted to add. So in the end of the episode, Felix has indeed ruined Oscar's career. So he yeah. was completely wrong. He was completely bad about that. Yet somehow he is given one of the biggest radio stations in New York the idea for a, a, a for a a, a, a show. Yeah. yeah, I did not see that coming. Yeah, um, and. It is a strange plot twist. I guess the point of it is to dig the knife in a little more on both of them. Yeah. But I can't believe that in that the station wanting to hire a famous sports writer to do a sports call-in show decide, you know what? Let's do old-timey radio dramatizations of sports instead. Uh, and not even have the decency to hire Felix as the producer since it was his idea. Right. Seems uh, funny about something wrong about that. So yeah, Oscar is definitely the victim of this yeah. episode. Felix definitely is the Badinsky. Badinsky. Why can't I say tea, that right? The T is just forget about the right. Badinsky. I think I still. <laughs> I don't think I should. I I wrote it down on my notes with a T, but it really is a D. Badinsky. Uh, so if you have uh, any comments, thoughts, questions, feedback about this episode or our episode about this episode. You can email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. Of course, we appreciate some five-star reviews on iTunes. And Garrett, I've been waiting 
for a hundred plus episodes to say this to you. No, actually, this is our 76th episode, I believe. 77th episode. Uh, you ugly little ignoramus. I have the feeling I'm being insulted, Ted. 